Hello and welcome, you're listening to Mouse Madness, a podcast dedicated to bracketing all things Disney. I'm Chris Bowersox. And I'm Kyle Skinner. And we are your hosts for Mouse Madness. Each episode will focus on a single Disney topic, generate a bracket, and debate our way through the madness to figure out who or what is truly the best. Follow us and play along on Twitter at Mouse Madness Pod, or send us an email at mousemadnesspodcast at gmail.com. Kyle, we are back talking Disney Mania songs. I'm feeling all nostalgic all over again. I've been I've been having two thousands vibes about me all week. I know, seriously, especially after that first episode. There were those were tough. I mean, there were quite a few tiebreakers that had to be decided to move on for us to get to our elite eight here. And who was helping us to decide those? That was our friend Jessica Kleinschmidt. Jessica, welcome back to Mouse Madness Podcast. Oh my gosh. I'm having so much fun. (laughs) So happy to hear that because uh, we love doing this uh, every week. But we also know that you do a lot outside of uh, the the Disney podcast, I guess. You do a lot in the world of of content. So why don't you go ahead and plug what you're up to these days? I don't know if we have enough time, but (laughs) (laughs) I'm the host of two podcasts. Corked Up here, I host that, of course, with Trevor Bauer is agent Rachel Luba. through Momentum. I also have Bok Talk uh, from NBC Sports Bay Area. I'm also the A's main reporter over there. I'm covering the Giants as well, um, doing some other stuff. And a lot of cool stuff coming up in 2021, um, trying to do more than just outside the Bay Area, so having fun with that. And it's been fun, but I'm glad to be on a podcast like this because it's a good escape from all the baseball things. <laughs> Just praying that a trade doesn't go down so I don't have to do anything. So. Yeah, that's always uh, when we had you uh, let us know that you were down to do this. I was like, oh, man, we're getting real bold with these off-season recordings and bringing a, a beat reporter on who might break some uh, news. Luckily, <laughs> I, I mainly covered the A's, so I think we're good until like February. <laughs> <Probably>. <laughs> Daddy! And there is that. I will say that only because not just the A's, but like it's such a weird off season. And I can honestly say that I'm like watching everything that Trevor Bauer is doing behind the scenes. And it's it, we have a little bit of a ways to go until some big stuff continues to happen. So that's what he's about. And you heard that here first on your favorite Disney <laughs> podcast. <laughs> We're breaking baseball news out here. All right, Chris. Uh, before we start yeah, I'm diving telling you, into... Trevor Bauer hasn't signed yet. So there it is. <laughs> <laughs> don't go leaking that, guys. Don't go leaking that. Guys, don't well, go don't go tweeting out that Trevor Bauer hasn't signed yet. Well, be sure to let him know that he can't sign until after, until uh, after January this 18th when this, when this podcast comes out. All right, cool. <laughs> All right, y'all. Well, before we get into everything here, we want to open up a new segment on Mouse Madness. We're calling it Mousekeeping. Brand new thing. We want to talk about, um, you know, just some Disney media that we've consumed lately because we're like you. We watch a lot of stuff, read a lot of stuff, and we don't always get the opportunity to talk about everything. So we want to take a few minutes and just kind of catch up with some stuff we've been watching or listening to or whatever. So Kyle, is there anything lately you've come across in the Disney media universe that you want to talk about? Yeah, actually, I've been reading and actually just finished reading a book on 
California Adventure. <laughs> because why not? Uh, 2020 was a chaotic year. Let's let's read about the most chaotic park in this universe. And uh, this book was called California Dreamin', Disney California Adventure, An Insider's Journey. So this was written by Lisa Baxter. Lisa Baxter was a cast member uh, in the 90s and early 2000s. She worked at the Disney stores, like the the outlet stores, uh, as like they still call them cast members. And then when DCA was opening, they brought some folks from the Disney store realm over to DCA to help open up the shops there so that they didn't have to spread the Disneyland Resort, uh, Disneyland Park staff uh, too thin. So she came over and so she's right. Sounds smart on paper. It was on paper. And I feel like it would have been a smart move had the park survived its first year as a whole. Uh, which it didn't. It was very quickly dismantled <laughs> after the first year. So this book literally just goes step by step, land by land, shop by shop, and talks about what was there opening day and then every single change since then until basically current day, up until 2019. Uh, so describes each shop, describes, uh, and, and she breaks it down by like era. So... 2001, and then the first iteration of changes right after 2001, which was like 02 to 06, and then the 06 to 2012 era where things were starting to close in anticipation for the DCA 2.0 renovation, and then like the the 10s where it was like the 13 through 14, 15 when uh, Pixar Pier was about to come in and like then we're going to see a bunch of changes with the Marvel's Avengers campus and stuff. Yeah, I remember that era like very, very vividly because that was when I was really getting into like my parks fandom. So was there anything that like they were pointing out to you that maybe you forgot existed back then? There were just a lot of like punned shops. Oh, yeah. That yep. I didn't even realize really existed. None of them are coming off the top of my head right now, but just the names and the ways that they did name them. And then I forgot actually how long uh, Bountiful like family farms, like that farm exposition area that like Bugsland got built on top of, how long that actually lasted for. That farm part before Bugsland kind of expanded after uh, Flick's Ferris fun playland thing, the little kitty ride area. Once they expanded that, uh, it took over the the rest of that farmland. But that farmland lasted for like quite a while, like into the late two thousands. And I I didn't yeah. even realize that. I don't think I even ventured into that part of the park during that time in my life. So it was bizarre. Uh, I recommend it as like a resource book if you're just interested in like the history of the park by just what was there. Dope. Uh, but it's just a it's a literally just an informational read. Um, so it might come in handy for us on future future episodes. What's something you've been diving into? So I had a really great time going through and watching a bunch of decoms that I missed. <laughs> yeah. Like in the 90s when I was not watching Disney Channel as a child. <laughs> so when Disney Plus first came out, I thought it was really fun to go in and just click a random decom, be like, this looks really weird. And then 
get some weirdness enjoyment out of it. And uh, I attempted to replicate that experience with some Disney live action. Oh. And yeah, this is a dangerous game of <laughs> Disney roulette, Disney plus roulette, I guess we'll call it. Yeah. Because uh, yeah, Disney was not known for making very good movies during that kind of like between what, like Aristocats and Little Mermaid. It's right. like 30 years or mm-hmm. something. So that, that was when the, the live actions were kind of, Tanking, Say the put least. it kindly. So, yeah, I landed on something called Sammy the Way Out Seal. And I don't even know if this was from like Disney's Dark Days. I think this was a part of some Disney TV special. Okay. And it was 40 minutes long, aired in two parts. So, I guess 20 minutes one week and 20 minutes the next week from 1962. Okay. So, I think Walt was still alive back then, right? Yeah, I wonder if it was part of that like adventure series that he was producing at the same time as his Disneyland TV show. This was from Walt Disney's Wonderful World of Color. Oh, interesting. Aired on October 28th. And basically what it's about is two kids who are walking along the beach one day and there's a baby seal on the beach and they decide to take it home with them <laughs> and... The movie is them trying to hide it from their dad the entire time. And uh, hijinks I, ensue. <laughs> like, obviously, illegal. this is the 60s. <laughs> so, yeah, they use a real, actual live seal. Oh, so we no. have an animal performer. And it's funny. You know, if you've ever been to a SeaWorld park or any type of marine life park where they have a sea lion or seal shows. By the way, it is a sea lion. It is not a seal. Oh, So wow. that's kind of incorrect naming. But... <laughs> It's cute if you're into those types of animals, but it's pretty wild, like, what what they got away with. Yeah, yeah. They could not create a feature-length movie with an animal performer like that no. as the centerpiece these days. No. At what point they, like, put it in a kiddie pool in a garage and are, like, showering it, and they are making it, like, shower itself. Uh, it ends up like pushing a guy into a swimming pool. It is just absolutely wild. And then there's this like overarching theme of uh, local politics for this like small town. And they want to make the seal a mascot of some type where it lives inside of a fountain and people come to this small town tourists to see that it's just it gets so off the rails. And I was like, this was not a fun exercise <laughs> playing <laughs> live action Disney Plus roulette. So yeah. I would not recommend that to any of you. I did that right when Disney Plus first came out. I kind of wanted just to see what weird Disney things were on the platform itself. And one that sounds super similar to that that we watched was called A Tale of Two Critters. And it was a 1977 live action film that was about a baby bear and a baby raccoon who meet in the forest and become like friends. And it was very like homeward bound ish. Like if I remember correctly, the bear gets separated from its family and the raccoon is just like living life and they have to band together to get the bear back home. But these are real animals. Like, 
like wild animals too, wild not animals. like domesticated pets. Yes, wild animals. And they made these things like there was like a sassy river scene where the <laughs> the bear had to like sit on a log and the raccoon was like thrown into the river, like things that definitely shouldn't have flown and definitely would not fly now. So Disney was getting away with some stuff, and that leads us to the best discussion of oh, the segment. Disney getting away with some stuff. So Chris and I, uh, you know, obviously uh, Splash Mountain is going to be rethemed. Maybe we'll see with this pandemic what happens with any sort of construction news. But they're supposed to be retheming it to something Princess and the Frog. And even I think before it, Chris was in an airport and stumbled across quite a Disney artifact. Chris, what did you find? I was at the new LaGuardia Terminal in New York City, which is dope, by the way. This summer, it was like 7 a.m. I had an early morning flight, and there are these shops going into the terminal randomly to get from your security checkpoint to the gates. You go through this like shop area. You have to go through it. There's a bunch of really cool stores, but I noticed a vinyl bin and I was like, all right, got to check out the vinyl collection because Kyle, you turned me on to listening to vinyl. It's an experience everyone should have. Um, So I'm going through it. Country music's my favorite genre. So I go flip open the country tab and the very first album for $15 is Walt Disney's Song and Stories of Uncle Remus. (laughs) Br'er Rabbit, Br'er Bear, Br'er Fox. This is a 1970 press of basically songs and stories from Song of the South. It's interesting the way that they have branded this because there's no Uncle Remus on here and it doesn't say like Song of the South in huge letters. This is 1970s, so it's obviously almost 20 years Mm -hmm. after the movie came out. So um, I guess they were sensitive. Yeah to it back then right and then your find inspired me to find one of my own in which i did but mine is from 1959 and it does have uncle remus on it there he is and it does have song of the south on it the original soundtrack to song of the south and uh it is still not okay it's pretty bad so uh, i'm pretty sure that these have the same songs just yours also includes some story bits to it but uh, i think let's chat about it a little bit what you had just re-listened to it recently what's your your take on like what this movie could have been with just by listening to the soundtrack and stories um it to me seems like an aesop's fables almost Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. where Uncle Remus is Aesop and he just kind of tells these parables. Right. For example, he tells a story about like you can't run away from your troubles and like Br'er Rabbit boards up his house and runs away and ends up in like a fight with Br'er Bear. And the moral of the story is you can't run away from trouble. It'll always find you. Right. Um, The only problem is I don't know who the voice actor is that's doing Uncle Remus. I don't know if it's the original actor, but... um, it's pretty obnoxious, like the <laughs> the way he embellishes the accents when, when he's performing the Uncle Remus character as well as Br'er Bear, Br'er Fox, and Br'er Rabbit. Right. So, like, um, you were saying it's cool to have the songs 
on vinyl because mm-hmm. I mean you can't really find these songs anywhere. They no. don't really exist as MP3s or on streaming or anything like that. So it, it's it's kind of cool t- to have them, but this isn't something I'd really pop in and listen to for pleasure. It's more of a no. historical collectible. Yes, zero percent chance. And you know this this movie also contained, and I don't know that I actually even re- realized that how many of the songs in Splash Mountain actually did come from Song of the South. Like, yeah. we obviously know Zippy Dee Doo did, but like the fact that uh, Everybody Has a Laughing Place was in that movie. Um, there was another How Do You Do yeah. was in that movie. Like, yeah. I thought specifically those two were written for the attraction for some reason. I never made the connection that it was actually from the movie. So when I heard them, I was like, whoa, this is crazy. Like, Disney took many elements from this movie and put them into this ride, which is like kind of disappointing and just really bizarre. Um, My take on just like listening through the soundtrack is I like put all of the cultural things aside, like just looking at this as a movie, I would have hated this as a musical. <laughs> oh yeah. The songs, yeah. the songs beyond those like core ones from the ride, which aren't even like necessarily slaps, but um, everything else, the, all of the accompanying songs, the theme song, song of the South is not good. Uncle Remus's song is not good. Uh, let the rain pour down was super boring and not good. Even if it was a comp, like the fact that the first five tracks be- are all boring except for Zippity Doodah means that like the first act of this film would have probably put me to sleep. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, this is this movie's forgot for multiple reasons, I'm sure. <laughs> and it's it's uh, obviously they were upcycling all of the animatronics and i i think their hand was forced when choosing the ultimate theme for splash mountain but you know you listen to something like this and you go i don't see how anyone can make the argument that retheming splash mountain to a more valid property is a bad thing right no because you can't sit there and look me in the face and be like oh well it's song of the south such a good movie man it's a classic (laughs) Like yes. it's not. It's really not. <laughs> it's not. You know? And if if you're saying that, you probably haven't even seen it. So I highly recommend that you go on eBay like I did and find this vinyl record and listen to the soundtrack. You can hear that this was not a good movie. Yeah. So uh, it, it's an interesting piece to have in my Disney collection and in my vinyl collection. Uh, I'm just surprised I came across it at an airport. I was like, <laughs> I cannot leave this here. This must be owned by me. Seriously, um, seriously. So the other thing that I recently watched that I was really impressed with is the making of Frozen 2 docu-series, yeah. Into the Unknown. Yeah. Crazy to think about, but when the pandemic began in March, Frozen 2 was still playing in about 200 theaters in America. Mm-hmm. And it was number 10 at the box office in like January 2020, which is when right. we started kind of like dealing with the possibility that coronavirus may affect our lives. So it's just, it's amazing to think that Frozen 2 was just last year. <laughs> like, I know, it seems, seriously. It seems like lifetimes ago that we were breaking down that movie for our first mini episode. Uh, I revisited it a couple of times last year. I, I haven't had the chance to watch it recently, 
but it was really cool to look at their process in making it in this into the unknown docuseries yes i've seen a few pixar documentary type pieces and i read ed catmull's creativity inc and so when i think about the animation process and creating these family animated pictures like in my head it's a very like upbeat lighthearted, motivational creative atmosphere where everyone's just like flowing off each other and there's just juices at all times and and yeah. all these good ideas just keep coming out one after another um and it was interesting how much emphasis they put on the issues they had with Frozen 2 mm-hmm. in this in this series particularly with um show yourself yeah which is kind of like a a, a pivotal moment in the film and they decided to set it to song which is a really really bold thing to do it's it's hard to pull off and so um the director and writer and a few producers were going back and forth with the Lopez's with this song, thinking about cutting it, <laughs> rewriting it. And like people were getting mad. Like they were in bad moods about it. I loved that part of this like docu-series was them showing us the frustrations behind making something like this that is so loved. How much like, pain and frustration goes into it and that was like working with the lopez's one on this specific thing but two also with the lopez's being like remote across the country also having to you know take the notes and then go away and do it themselves and then present virtually is such a like you know big 2020 2021 mood that we're all virtual but then also they created a very successful film that way it is mind-blowing one other cool thing that i learned or at least observed was just the way that the cast interacted with the crew and the writers and all of that Mm -hmm. stuff they seem to really appreciate and like respect the process even though you know they're not really in studio in the booth recording for very many days when you're looking at the entire process of creating this almost two hour long picture uh they come in and like meet with people and say what up to people. Uh, I'm remembering Adina Menzel in the Clint Eastwood recording studio, the soundstage at Warner Brothers, a building I have been inside, a little flex oh. right there. Um, <laughs> and and they have the whole orchestra there recording into the unknown and Adina Menzel's in there. She doesn't really have any reason to be there uh so so they've got the sequence playing on the uh, projector and the orchestra's playing and Adele Dezine is like mouthing the words along with it and she's like in tears by the end of it uh so it was really cool to kind of see how much she like respected the crafts of other people working on the picture and also just how much fun it seems like Josh Gad was having with all of it as well. Uh, yeah. I hate Olaf, but I really love Josh Gad, and I think he's a great performer, and it seems like he really cares about Frozen. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it's refreshing to know that, you know? It's refreshing to know that uh, these kind of movies for the actors are more than just a paycheck. They actually enjoy doing it and working with them, and the sequel isn't painful. Now... I would love to see a little behind the scenes on Cars 2 and see if the cast <laughs> uh, really felt that way about that one. Uh, but it was really refreshing to see it see it here. 
yeah, uh, part of me is like, ah, the cameras aren't rolling, so like, can I give them too much credit? Are they playing it up? Who knows? We'll never know. Um, right. Another Warner Brothers flex, I did see Josh Gad on the studio lot one time, and he said hello to my whole tour cart. So I can vouch from firsthand experience that Josh Gad seems like a genuine nice guy, even when the cameras are not rolling. Uh, that's really good to hear. Well, if you have not checked out that Frozen 2 docuseries, highly recommend it. It is a very good watch to see just all of the work that goes into creating some of our favorite films. Uh, but for now, Chris, let's go ahead and hop into our favorite segment. It is time for Spoonful of Sugar. So because I have been feeling so nostalgic, I went ahead and concocted my first spoonful of sugar I ever drank in my entire life. Oh. And it's just a shot of Captain Morgan spiced rum. Oh, my gosh. And I was 21 years old, obviously, because we don't condone underage drinking on this podcast so right. uh i've done shots on this podcast before they're poured up they're ready to go when anyone says something crazy it's going down when when you say they're poured up how how many you how many yeah uh i got i got a double in my mary poppins coffee mug so there you go but if it's a mary poppins one it's like never ending right <laughs> right <laughs> very true you're gonna like pull also, out an umbrella from there and <laughs> Flying higher than a plane, my parents might think I'm insane. You Sorry, I didn't mean oh, to bring no, your boy OB into soon, episode dude. two. Please but. don't. <laughs> Kyle, what do you have today? I have, uh, I, I also brought out the spoonful of sugar mug, and I also went rum. I have a pineapple rum with some nutmeg spiced on top. Wow. Got a little fancy with the, uh, the ingredients here. Uh, it's a pineapple rum it's exactly how you think it would taste it's what's going to get me through this uh the second episode full of nostalgia full of heartbreak i'm sure because i think some of my favorites may be going down this time around uh and i'm gonna wash it away with this rum jessica what are you drinking this week um i stuck to the what i did last time because i just wanted to um yes. but this time it's still tito's and you know i cleverly named it last time tito's 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 room um and that's this is my ode to Hillary Duff and not just because I finished watching one of her series younger during quarantine um so this is a vodka whatever else I mixed it with because I cannot remember and that's how we like to have our spoonful of sugars just as we didn't remember them being mm -hmm. all right Chris, so we have our spoonful of sugars in hand, and it is time to remind the lovely folks at home where we stand before we get into this Elite Eight matchup. So we have the number one, I Want to Be Like You by the Jonas Brothers versus number eight, Hawaiian Roller Coaster Ride by Jump Five. Down the bracket, we have number 13, Reflection by Christina Aguilera versus the number five, Welcome by Jump Five. Across the bracket, we have number two, When You Wish Upon a Star by NSYNC. Facing off versus the number 10, I Won't Say I'm In Love by the Cheetah Girls. And rounding out our Elite 8 matchups is the number 3, Cruella DeVille by Selena Gomez versus the number 6, Bare Necessities by Bowling for Soup. Jessica, what are your thoughts heading into this Elite 8 with these matchups in place? Um, I, I feel like it's going to be interesting to, because like throughout it, we're, we're figuring out what's an actually good cover and yeah. what is also like out of the norm and everything like that. Um, 
But, I mean, y'all know what my favorite is, so we're going to see what happens. But I, I really like our Bare Necessities versus um, the, the, the All-Star one. That was a really – it opened up my eyes to know that, like – we might have not Duke win this tournament. So that's kind of cool. <laughs> true. Very true. Duke will not right. win this tournament. Just saying. All right. So let's talk about this first matchup then. It's the number one Jonas Brothers cover of I Want to Be Like You versus number eight's Hawaiian Roller Coaster Ride by Jump 5. Now, last bracket, I did not move on Hawaiian Roller Coaster Ride because I felt like it wasn't quite Jump 5. Uh, I think I still stand by that slightly. Um, your guys' discussion on this song changed my mind slightly. I think that I have a little bit more appreciation for what Jump 5 was doing here in this version of Hawaiian Roller Coaster Ride. Um, I, I don't like the... I kind of wish that they didn't do... I know like the Hawaiian part is part of the song, obviously, but like to have... Uh, her sing it in the most like not even Nashville like Valley Girl like at the mall covering the song way was a little bit like I don't like this I kind of wish that they inserted something else but it had they we'd probably be like why did they do that so they're just staying true to the song I'm telling you I live for that whisper verse I live for it if I show anybody the song it's like wait until verse three just wait until verse three. You're going to love it. And then they're going to love it. Like I said last time, follows the formula of a great Jump 5 song where everybody picks a line and then we layer up at the very end. So I have some great nostalgia appreciation for them because that is the type of pop music that I enjoyed listening to in the mid-2000s. It's facing off versus the powerhouse of the Jonas Brothers. Uh, I didn't really get to talk about it because we moved it on pretty quickly but this is very jonas brothers if i've ever heard jonas brothers like you'd almost immediately be able to tell like hey this is a disney song cover by disney artists like who do you think this is people are probably gonna be like the jonas brothers like for sure it's kind of funny that this is where they like started and then they kind of like nick kind of went into this like r&b type stuff and then joe went off and did his like uh, a separate brand that did Cake by the Ocean and then they came back for this like reunion. Uh, it's kind of, and maybe it wasn't even Nick, maybe it's Kevin. I don't even know the difference between all of them. So I'm going to just keep saying those names. They're all the same person, yeah. but they split up and now they're back. Uh, and they were making a comeback before the pandemic began. Like I think that they had to cancel their like reunion tour because of this pandemic, which is super unfortunate. But they're, I mean, they're, a talented trio absolutely um i brought it up last time like it leads in with the uh now i'm the king of the swingers and that's you can't you can't not like that <laughs> you can't not like that it's a great way to begin the song they have this like uh that that like echo repeat effect going on where one of them will repeat the line that was just said but they'll sound like they're singing it through a walker taku and that was very that period of time, like 2000s, like have somebody repeat the line with some sort of distortion over the voice big time. You also have like a slight switch in the beat during the chorus, like right in the middle of it. And I feel like that was very and Chris, you seem to be the connoisseur of pop punk. 
but so tell me if I'm wrong, but when they switch up those drum beats in the middle of the chorus, that felt very quintessential. I mean, all music genres are social constructs and are completely blurry (laughs) anyway. So, I mean, I don't want to like fall into a trap here and say that that's not pop punk, but uh, traditionally, like any punk or subgenre of punk is just, it's very simple. It's just, it's like the easiest type of music to play because it's just like two chords like this and just like drumming like this. And then, like, maybe yeah. it changes a little bit. And so, like, to me, the Jonas Brothers have always been pop rock. They're they're trying to be rock and roll in the spirit of, like, Guitar Hero and Rock Band and this, like, classic rock resurgence that was happening in the early 2000s. Yeah. And I think that they accomplished their mission of what they are going for. Um, I think that this is not necessarily a song that I'm going to throw on. I'm not too into just this. This is another like almost, it felt like a straight cover or it almost felt like Sky Sweetenham, right? Where she just like took the song and just ran through it uh, instead of, you know, this this was like a jazz-y song in the Jungle Book with a lot of breaks and dance moments and like scat and all of that great stuff. And this was just like the, the rock version, which is exactly what they were trying to do. Um, but I, I don't know if that's necessarily for me. Hawaiian Roller Coaster Ride by Jump 5 just feels that Disney mania injection of like, here's this, I don't really want to call it a classic, but here's the like quintessential uh, Lilo and Stitch song sung by pop artists as pop artists probably would. And then let's throw a little like, guitar in there let's throw a little like what the kids like to hear these days this like alt rock kind of like guitar stuff so um yeah i think here in this matchup i'm going with the upset of hawaiian roller coaster taking down the joe bros wow kyle um you know it's interesting that we had two jonas brothers on the left side of the bracket and two jump fives on this side of the bracket and both the jonas brothers songs are going to get eliminated before one of the jump five songs (laughs) get eliminated so what does that say about jump five versus the jonas brothers i mean i agree with you i want to be like you by the jonas brothers is kind of a boring cover to me hawaiian roller coaster ride by jump five kind of makes you go wtf at times which (laughs) that is my disney mania sweet spot so i'm advancing it to the final four jessica do you agree i do agree i loved i mean y'all heard what i said the last time it's like uh Joe Bros is just like screaming the entire time and I'm not into it. And the whisper did it for me too, Kyle. The whisper <laughs> really, really does from that Jump 5 Hawaiian Roller Coaster Ride song. And that, I think that's what their mission was. And I, at the end of the day, I feel like Jump 5 was made to be the Disney Mania cover band. I really, really do because they can show their diversity. So, you know. God bless the USA and <laughs> Hawaiian roller coaster ride, which is like a totally different range. Yeah. Like Jesus and Lilo and Stitch. Let's go. The Holy Trinity. Yeah. All right. So Jump Five advances to the final four with their version of Hawaiian roller coaster ride. Who will meet them in the final four? Well, themselves. <laughs> if you ask me, I got Jump Five meeting themselves. The next matchup is. 
The number five, Welcome by Jump 5 versus the number 13, Reflection by Christina Aguilera from Disney Mania 1. Kyle, your argument last episode was that this song was not cut for Disney Mania, therefore it's disqualified. I don't know that I agree with that logic, but when I think of this cover of Reflection, I do think of Mulan. Right. I had that original soundtrack on CD. I listened to it a lot. So I had a lot of familiarity with this cover before Disney Mania even existed. So I think you could make a very strong case for Reflection by Christina Aguilera being the best Disney cover on this bracket. Yes. But it's got to be on Disney Mania brand if we're talking about songs that are going to make it to the finals. And so for me, that's Welcome by Jump 5. I mean, this is a, a true cover. And in my opinion, a cover that is better than the original. I'm sorry, Philharmonic Phil Collins, but wow. uh, I would rather listen to Jump 5 personally. So I'm advancing it to the final four where I got Jump 5 facing off against themselves. You know what's so crazy and I'm also going to move Jump 5 on if there was any suspense surrounding that, uh, is that like this Disney Mania cover of this movie that no one saw was the theme song essentially for the golden anniversary of the theme park that like launched this conglomerate. What... A choice that was what taste that parade director had i hope they're listening right now because bravo to you well my thing that i something i discovered in in my research is that there are so many live performances of jump five doing this song that exist on the internet oh. so part part of me thinks that disney realized that this song was good and they weren't ready to just throw it away sure so they were like how can we resurrect this really good phil collins song let's brand it a little bit and so you have like jump five doing it on good morning america in front of the tinkerbell and peter pan train float from parade of dreams you've got them doing it on the christmas day parade three years in a row it's like (laughs) always the same song and it became this like anthem for disney in the mid-2000s I have a a great story, maybe you'll find it great, I think it's great, about Christina's version of Reflection. And I hope I haven't told it on this podcast. I don't think I have. In high school, I was part of like high school leadership stuff. And we would put on all these events and do all these things. And a lot of them involved performances. And whether it's like the, the dance crew or it was like, the one person that always sings the national anthem before rallies or it was whatever. And we are hosting this like fashion show and this, uh, one of our performers bailed. And so we needed to fill in six minutes in our schedule. God forbid this high school fashion show not go on without this performance. And, uh, this girl was like, well, I can, I, I can, do you have (laughs) reflection by Christina Aguilera? And we're like, yeah, we could pull it up on YouTube and play it through the AV system. She's like, okay, I can do that. And she did, and she was fine. But from that moment on, any time we needed a performance, she would raise her hand and just be like, well, I can 
I can do reflection. And it's like, we don't want <laughs> <Okay>. reflection. <laughs> we, that was a one-time thing. We don't want reflection again. So <laughs> it, not only do I think it doesn't belong in this bracket, but it's associated with this like ridiculous memory uh, from from high school. So uh, I think everything that you said was true. Also about Welcome is like, we talked about this in the best Disney song. What makes Disney songs so great often is like the simplicity of them. And, you know, the they can say so much with so few and simple words. And like this is about as simple <laughs> as a song can get, which is like funny because we hold Phil Collins as like, this phenomenal songwriter and like and even is. his Tarzan songs are pretty. Yeah. I mean, he writes slaps, but the slaps are often simple and sometimes don't even make sense. I think Chris recited some of his lyrics in the Broadway episode we did and just how it, nothing said. He never says anything <laughs> in his songs. And this is like one of them where uh, the first verse says, there's nothing complicated about the way we live. We're all here for each other. Happy to give. Thanks, for sure. Like, <laughs> four lines to just say, like, we're happy here. And uh, all we can share, uh, all we have we share, and all of us we care. So come on. <laughs> it's like, okay, so the first verse establishes we're good people. Welcome to our family time. Uh, but, yeah, despite all that. Jump Five is definitely moving on. Jessica, I have a feeling that you don't have any hard feelings about Christina going down because you're such a big Jump Five fan. Although you might. I mean, it's it's tough for me because it's like I said, like the one of the first CDs I ever had was Christina Aguilera's first CD, and this was on it. You know, and it just it was like part of the reason why I fell in love with Disney songs was that I was like old enough to understand not just like circle of life and like pocahontas and all that other stuff so it's difficult for me but you you guys once again have talked me into i love me some jump five and um i just hope christina doesn't forget like where she came from (laughs) i don't think i don't think she ever will yeah uh although she is back to doing disney covers as we learned in the disney family sing-alongs so she did uh, like a mulan like the new mulan movie like she did a song for that and Celine Dion did that for Beauty and the Beast too which I didn't like the Beauty and the Beast cover for being honest Christina for this new Mulan movie did a cover of her cover of Reflection but she also came up with a new song right it was like another song did she don't know I'll look that up (laughs) I believe you uh having you having had her first album so I believe that you know the discography of christina so i won't i won't judge uh your choice there let's move on to the next matchup it's when you wish upon a star by nsync verse number 10 i won't say i'm in love by cheetah girls said this last time cheetah girls played it very safe uh it's not a very memorable song they had the benefit of a matchup that moved them on this time around i really did wish that they did some sort of bold very 2000s rendition of this song as their entire brand is (laughs) like we talked about the cheetah girls movie and the best decom bracket and just how 2000s that entire movie was uh so you kind of i mean i kind of hope that they leaned into that and made this a lot more pop um 
less less R&B and soul as the the movie version already was uh and it just didn't leave too much of a lasting impression on me uh compared to all of these other songs uh NSYNC's definitely left a lasting impression on me because it's the only acapella song that I remember hearing when listening through all of these songs like not even just the bracket songs but listening to the discography of Disney Mania like they did something different and it was also like track two on the first Disney Mania album so like you go and I'm pretty sure track one was I want to be like you by the Joe Bros so you go from like that high intensity like trying to be classic rock alt rock whatever to NSYNC trying to be boys to men singing an acapella version of this like iconic star spangled banner version of the disney (laughs) music i'm telling you exactly no you're not wrong it is their like statement song this is their their brand statement song and they got like a great group to also represent we brought up that christina was a musketeer justin timberlake was as well so like what better way to add parody to that entire situation than to get nsync to do it i'm also kind of surprised that nsync did it Maybe like I don't know where this is in their timeline of like songs. I would songs assume and, and somewhere popular. at the beginning. Yeah, I would assume so too, because this came out in two thousand two, which makes me think. I think ninety eight was, was like their first album. And I think that No Strings Attached was two thousand three. So they were still humble. Right. Yeah. 2000. So this was actually after uh, No Strings Attached was released in 2000. So this was after Bye 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 and their big launch. So for they Disney actually also to like- remember how I said I saw 18s in yes, concert. So they right. opened up and I, Bye Bye Bye. This was like the third time they performed it in concert was oh. that year. Did you have a handheld camcorder that you recorded? that? No, but it was with? the first time I ever curled my hair. <laughs> and y'all. I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to say my hair is iconic, but my hair is iconic. So it was <laughs> right. like a monster was born. It doesn't matter what <laughs> I talk about with baseball, it doesn't matter what news I leak, my hair is always going to be on point. And it was that night that a star slash monster was born. And what better way than with 18s and NSYNC? Wow, that How is else? just. And why, the, the, this is um, Wild Orchid was also one of the opening like places. Remember yeah. they did like the lip syncing song or whatever uh-huh. the show. Fergie was in Wild Orchid. Wow! Wow! You Blew your lived, mind. You lived lives. That I lived no one could... seventeen lives that night. <laughs> and my best friend Courtney, almost eighteen years. Her and I were at that same concert. We didn't know that. The the literal. Sorry, stars I made line. this up myself. I just got really excited. <laughs> no, that's perfect. I love it because all of that is like true. We don't really think about you know um the cheetah girls in that same (laughs) (laughs) where were you when (laughs) exactly we don't say that about the cheetah girls rendition of uh so i think i'm in love it's this is nsync we're talking about here doing a disney song in a way that we didn't expect in a disney mania way that's not train wreck as we would like to almost see it um but it's in a a different style, different way. I stand by my statement that I don't think this is as smooth as you two might have thought it was. I kind of got a little shrilliness out of Justin, but that's me 
being very nitpicky about this song because I felt like they were trying to embody, you know, like the, the boys to men acapella kind of scene. Put that aside, doesn't matter because they're moving on past Cheetah Girls for me. Here's my issue is that we don't have any MP3 recordings of Disney Mania 1. It does not exist on streaming. So all I had to go on was like terrible YouTube rips of the song and it's really unfortunate i don't know maybe someone can gift us a disney mania one cd or something (laughs) like that um but i think maybe that might be why the song feels shrill in places just the audio quality might be low maybe i'm trying to defend jt sure (laughs) because he is a great singer uh i'm mr youtube I'm, i'm i'm the youtube guy on this podcast i want YouTube footage of them in studio, in the booth, recording yep. this. Yep. I know I know someone had a camera in there. Yep. It, it is lost media, but it exists out there, and, and I want it. And that goes for, like, all of these things. So many of these music videos we have are just terrible, terrible, terrible copies. And, like, I need these all on Disney+. Plus. <laughs> Seriously. I need a Disney Mania Disney Plus playlist with all the... <laughs> The terrible music videos. Would you pay? Um, would you pay? You'd pay monthly for that, right? I would pay additional, additional <laughs> like five dollars a month okay. just to have okay. access to that playlist, premiere access for Disney Mania. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Folks at Disney listen to this podcast. They're always hitting us up about marketing stuff. So, um, <laughs> of course. Yeah, uh, I'm with I'm with y'all. Uh, this this version of When You Wish Upon a Star is great. It has a lot of replayability. It's super fun. Um, super meaningful. The Cheetah Girl song is good, but I didn't have it advancing last round, and I don't have it advancing here. So I assume, Jess, you agree with this verdict. I do, because I and and I think about the night that I saw I saw NSYNC in concert. My dad loved it, and he's obviously older. I loved it. I like. I feel like this song. They didn't sing the song, but I'm saying like this version is like. It's a classic, right? Yeah. And the rendition's good. And no matter what demographic, people are going to be happy. My vodka's setting in. So. <laughs> Just as- <laughs> Excellent. Oh. Excellent. Here we are. <laughs> Just in time for our next matchup. It is. I don't think you guys understand that. I literally forgot that was the first time I ever curled my hair. I know that sounds stupid, <laughs> but like, that's a big <laughs> moment for Jess Kleinschmidt. Like, you had an unlock. Like- I. My mind is blown. I just remember looking at my mom like, mom, like, I want to do something in my hair. She goes, how about I curl it? I'll teach you how to curl it. And boom. All right. Well, next up, we've got the number three, Cruella DeVille by Selena Gomez from Disney Mania 6 versus the number six seed, Bare Necessities by Bowling for Soup from Disney Mania 3. So we've been talking a lot about pop punk. Bowling for Soup's version of Bare Necessities here feels very skate punk. And that's just like getting deeper down into that niche and it's 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 got i don't want to compare it to blink 182 because it is a little bit like fluffier but it's like in that same vein where it's a genre of music for people who really just don't want to care about stuff right like they just want to do what they want to do and that is what bare necessities is about it's just yeah. like a big, long pun about 
having a good time, being chill, just bouncing around the jungle. Those are the bare necessities. And so I think that this Bowling for Soup skate punk is a perfect marriage for this song. There is um, always a little bit of like recreational drug use when you're talking about the skate punk genre. And, and like Baloo is kind of a burnout himself, you know? Hi, and add so, him to the highest Disney bracket. I, I think he's in the conversation. Orlando B. Pour one out. By the way, Johnny Tsunami, like Grandpa Johnny Tsunami, definitely, he he definitely checked me out at Marshall's when I was buying my suitcase the other day. Wait, he what? was like, he was like, he was like, whoa, where are you going? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I was like, I'm going home, man. And it, it, the suitcase is like bright neon green. And he goes. And I was because I was in San Diego and he's like, you can see this suitcase from L.A. (laughs) (laughs) He had the exact same like haircut and like energy and like everything. I was like, oh, my God, I just met Johnny Tsunami. Anyways, um, so ultimately, uh, Bare Necessities by Bowling for Soup. Super fun. Listen, it's fast. It's loud. It's fun. I absolutely love it. Uh, Great genre choice. Very like surprising one. To bowling for soup, not traditionally an act you associate with Disney. So, um, I-, I love it. This Cruella de Vil cover is really fun. It's a new take on the song. Um, it's another one that's kind of like, whoa, that was definitely an experience that I didn't really know I needed. It's almost like the the shock value of T squared, but like dialed dialed like way way down. It- it's much more um, digestible but it's still a little bit like jarring. I'm going to go with my gut on this one and just advance to the number six bare necessities by bowling for soup simply because it's one I think I'm going to be playing more often. Yeah. This is a tough matchup here because as I told everyone last episode, I felt like the bowling for soup cover was a great Disney mania. Listen, as well as a great, like, out in the wild listen for anyone who like wasn't expecting it right it's like their middle of the set song that just like re-energizes the crowd to the next you don't expect it you're pleasantly surprised thing about Cruella's uh Cruella DeVille though is it's like this is what 2008 sounded like (laughs) for like Disney pop stars uh, when that synth comes in, that you know immediately what's going to go down. You know exactly how the rest of the song is going to sound based on just that intro synth. Uh, I really enjoyed that this was a different take and that this felt like Cruella's hype song as opposed to like Cruella's roast song in the original. Uh, despite me loving the original and the piano and just how, like I don't know, nostalgic it is. This was a, a nice refresh for me, um, as well as like the the introduction to her like Cruella, like that chant just gets stuck in your head. You can I almost see Cruella just like strutting down the street to that part. And then also the like bridge breakdown that she has where the song stops and changes flow a little bit. And she's like, at first you think Cruella is a devil. I'm like, yep, yep. Feed me more of this. Feed me more of this. It's it's just it's great. It's so unexpected. It's 
switches up when you don't expect it to switch up and then it ends very strong and it's another like pleasant surprise track on Disney Mania's discography here. So I think that like in the vein of what I feel like uh, Disney Mania songs are, as much as I love uh, Bowling for Soup coming in and doing this, I got to move on Selena and her uh, Cruella DeVille cover. It just feels like this is what Disney Mania is, this kind of shocker, different take on a classic song uh, done by one of their their own as opposed to bringing in Bowling for Soup, which was the original intent of these uh, these albums, but that has definitely gone away from that. And so I feel like Selena Gomez meets the mold more so. So Jessica, you're breaking this tie. Ooh, I'm actually surprised that you went that route. Um, I'm going to switch it up this time. I, I, I really like Bowling for Soup this round because... I feel like it's the better off-brand embracing the punk type of deal. Um, but I, the song-wise, I do like Selena Gomez a little bit more. But I feel like the the overall vibe you want is is Bare Necessities with Bowling for Soup. So I'm going to go with them. All right. I, I'm, I'm sorry I like, delayed. I was, that was a lot of pressure. I was a little nervous. So. <laughs> yeah, no, it's totally fine. Down goes uh, the best villain of all time, Gorilla DeVille. In this round. In this round. So before we get into Final Four, I am going to take my Captain Morgan Spice Rum shot for Jump 5 versus Jump 5 just to get me ready for that uh, chaos. <laughs> yeah. Away oh, we go. Man. All right. Cheers to that. Let's talk about it. We're in our first Final Four matchup. It's number eight, Hawaiian Roller Coaster Ride, versus number five, Welcome, both by Jump 5. Here's where it comes down for me. I didn't pass Hawaiian Road Coaster Ride uh, by Jump 5 the first time around because I felt like it didn't stick as true to Jump 5's formula as normal as I like to hear Jump 5. Um, and how I like to hear Jump 5 is in Welcome, this like poppy, upbeat, energetic. They don't do the whole like, trying to add the trendy guitar sounds in their songs. They are like, we're sticking to the synth pop for as long as we want and as long as we can. And they do that in Welcome. And that's been their whole shindig. So to have them do that in this Disney context uh, is much better than them performing what they like think that everyone wants to hear or what Disney thinks everyone wants to hear. So like, their authenticity and bringing that into the Disney sphere is better than them bringing out whatever Disney wants. So like for the, that distinction, I'm moving Welcome On past Hawaiian Roller Coaster at. Wow. Well, uh, I, I mentioned it earlier. Hawaiian Roller Coaster Ride by Jump 5 has become an instant favorite of mine, uh, both due to it just being a fun song and the music video being absolutely outrageous. I do want to kind of give some like credit to the original song um, as we talk about these uh, super white Christian kids from Nashville <laughs> taking away this like really cool song that is rooted in Hawaiian culture. Um, so the original song is performed by Mark Kealihi. Oh my gosh, I'm going to say this right. Mark Kealihi Ho'omalu along... Huh? With the accompaniment from the Kamehameha School Children's Chorus. 
And like I've listened to this Jump Five version so much lately that I kind of forgot how like low key the original is. Right. Yeah. It's really not that in your face. It is. It has a very Hawaiian, authentic, like tropical feel with um, very simple strings, um, as well as like very beautiful layered vocals. Something kind of cool about Mark Kialihi Ho'omalu, he is a hula instructor. That's like his claim to fame. And in the early 2000s, he moved from Hawaii to the U.S. to establish a hula school called the Academy of Hawaiian Arts. Can you guess in what city in the U.S. this Academy of Hawaiian Arts is located? Nashville. Reno, Nevada. Oakland, California. Let's go. Bay Area, what's up? Um, So yeah, I just wanted to give him some love for a a really great song that uh, I don't really think Jump 5 like completely ruined or anything like that. I don't think this version like takes anything away from the original. I just think it's a really fun version. Um, It's much more upbeat, much more playful. (sighs) Obviously, it strips away a lot of that Hawaiian influence. And I guess because they're like blonde kids with long hair, it almost feels like it has more of a Southern California vibe now, even though they're from Nashville. Yeah. You might not know it uh, by looking at them, but um, that's kind of the new vibe I get from the Jump 5 version. I mean, for me, this one just... This matchup is just going to be based on playability alone. Uh, I, I admire everything that Jump 5's welcome cover did. It's super successful, super significant. But I'm going with Hawaiian Roller Coaster Ride to the finals. So that means Jessica's breaking the tie. I would. I don't, this is the, the worst one I could possibly. <laughs> Only because I feel like I would just choose Hawaiian Roller Coaster Ride because I know that song so well. Um could I could I base it on my likability and that's it? Totally. Then it have to be Hawaiian roller coaster ride. That's just such a good song. Like I and unfortunately I heard the Jump Five version before I heard the actual version, so that's just like co- kind of more ingrained. So. Hey, personal bias. We we do it all the time, <laughs> all the time. All right. Well, let's find out. Who Jump 5 will be facing in the finals? On the other side of the bracket, we have the number two seed, When You Wish Upon a Star by NSYNC from Disney Mania 1 versus the number six seed, Bare Necessities by Bowling for Soup from Disney Mania 3. Uh, to me, these songs profile extremely similar when we're talking about Disney Mania songs. They are great. They can stand on their own. They're unexpected artists in that they're ones that you don't typically associate with Disney. They're songs that take a classic Disney song, manage to somehow stay true to it, but also do something completely new with it. They're both songs that uh, are slightly more upbeat than their originals. They're ones that, to me, I would listen to more often. So really, like, I don't see a clear advantage for either of these on paper. So... Again, what it comes down to is which one am I going to listen to more? And for me, Bowling for Soup, Bare Necessities. I mean, what I think of Disney Mania songs is something that is 
different, but also brings that energy. And NSYNC just doesn't do it in that in this matchup. Like I don't NSYNC has ran the course that NSYNC should and could run in this bracket, in my opinion. Like for a, a mellow song full in a middle of a bracket full of really chaos, uh, which is what I feel like Disney Mania is. Train wrecks right and left. Uh, some of them land, some of them don't. NSYNC was the hidden gem, but I don't think that means it's the best Disney Mania. It could be up there with like discussions around Christina and NSYNC and like maybe Usher's version. Um, Usher's cover of like what is the best song from the Disney Mania covers uh, but this is we're talking like what's the best Disney Mania song and for me it's the energy and the switch up and the unexpectedness that comes from Bowling for Soup uh, as well so I'm with you and I'm going to advance number six to the finals here Jessica what do you think about the boys and sync going down here in the final four kind of upset um <laughs> Only because, like, like I told you, I think, like, all the demographics will be happy with an, the NSYNC song. But you did mention the mania part, and that's energy and stuff. But at the end of the day, I wasn't the tiebreaker, so it doesn't matter. But I, I, I would have had it gone with NSYNC only for, for multiple reasons. But I just feel like they did it justice. They and I think it had a lot to do with the fact that, like, when they did the song, and I told y'all because it was, like, Disney Mania 1, you don't want to f*** up a great, importante Star Spangled Banner. Because, um, like, think about it this way. When Whitney Houston, Whitney Houston, Star Spangled Banner, yeah, you can't top that. Because she stuck, she stayed true to it. And she did add her own flair. I'll give her that. But, um, so, luckily, this was not up to me. But I would have it gone in sync. Do you think uh, Disney should replace the traditional when you wish upon a star that plays before every movie with this version that NSYNC does? But isn't that yes. just instrumental? It is. But what if you had the acapella NSYNC instead? No, no, no. <laughs> yes, do it. Do it. Do I just it, feel like it's, it. we're, I mean, sure, why not? 2021. That's something, Let's shake that's something up. That, that's something that they would put uh, before like their release of Chicken Little. Like here's Chicken Little and the beginning is and uh, sinks when you wish upon a star. All right. Well, that brings us to the finals. And is this a finals or what? It is the number eight Hawaiian roller coaster ride by Jump 5 versus the number six Bare Necessities by Bowling Pursuit. How did we get here? <laughs> we ask Welcome ourselves that. Welcome to Mouse Madness, Jessica. Yeah. We ask ourselves that almost every <laughs> single bracket. It, this is Sometimes like the weirdest match I've ever. <laughs> well, you know, Jump Five had very good chances of getting <laughs> one of their songs into the final, uh, and Bowling for Soup is just such a a great performer band, right? Like they are, they put on shows, and it comes through their music. I didn't go hear- to a Reno show one year, and I regret it every day of my life. You could have heard Bear Necessities, maybe in a and... in a yeah, maybe they were they were going to play Bear Necessities at this ho dunk hole in the wall bar in Sparks, Nevada. Sounds like the place to do it, honestly. Exactly. <laughs> I would have. Uh, I'd be like, oh, you guys know this one, and I wouldn't play like um, nineteen eighty five just on repeat. They're like nineteen eighty five. Like, what is that? Now we're going to play Bear Necessities. <laughs> Yeah. For all 14 of you here in Sparks, Nevada. (laughs) 
Girl, all the bad guys want. No, 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 no. Bare necessities. <laughs> the crowd chants, Jungle Book. Yeah. Jungle Book. <laughs> They're like, God damn it. Oh, man. All right. Well, this is a, a matchup of like the. <laughs> I brought up Jump 5 during the parade episode because I was like, yo, this was like the 2000s pop group that like covered all these Disney songs. This is like what I think of when I think of uh, mid-2000s Disney covers. Like if this was 2005 and you're on some sort of road trip in a big city, I grew up in a small city, so we didn't have this radio station. But the minute that you got to a big city and you turned on Radio Disney, rest in peace, very recently but you uh you put on radio disney and this is what it sounded like you heard this and bowling for soup esque songs (laughs) (laughs) just like back to back to back to back this is what it was and so this finals matchup feels so right because this is this is encompassing of that era it's the let's get this well-known uh, band to perform this very mellow song and a new energy and then let's get the quintessential pop group to do this not so well-known song to like inject some energy into it uh, that was never there before because no one saw the movie it's from and they had a gem on their hands with jump five the obviously they recognized that threw it into the parks uh, jump five continued on to to do further Disney media covers Leland and stitch. They love their Hawaiian roller coaster rides. They love their, uh, they have their Aloha e como mai. Of course, how could you forget? And these Christian kids from Nashville, uh, are the faces of America and we should replace the star spangled banner with their version of God bless the USA. So, uh, when I come, man, this is tough for me because I do like both of these and I, I'm going to have a hard time picking. So I think what I'm going to go with is what feels the most mid-2000s Disney mania. Disney would green light this in a heartbeat, and that is Jump 5's Hawaiian roller coaster ride. When I think of early 2000s Disney, I think of my personal relationship with the company at that time, like that's all I can go off of. And it's the parks and it's California adventure being brand new. It's people in armbands and people doing weird street dances and like jump five encapsulates that so, so perfectly. And like Disney mania is a byproduct of, of all of those things. It's how do you do fellow kids Disney version? (laughs) But I love chaos, and I love Bowling for Soup. So I'm going to crown (laughs) Bowling for Soup's Bare Necessities the winner of the Best Disney Mania song bracket, which means we are throwing it to Jessica, who must choose between alt-punk, skate-pop, emo music, or Jump 5. Or Jump (laughs) 5. So this is tough, because like Bowling for Soup was a big part of my childhood. Well, high school. But so is Jump 5, dude. Because Jump 5 is what brought Kyle and I together. Jump 5 is why I'm on this podcast right now. <laughs> yeah, basically. 100%. But Bowling for Soup is the Courtney girl that I told you about when I curled my hair for the first night. That This is this is our band. But I have to take all that out of the window. I can't in good faith give it to Bowling for Soup because I just don't like the song. <laughs> so... <laughs> 
I'm biased for sure. And it it's Jump 5 Hawaiian roller coaster ride. <laughs> All right. What a roller coaster ride of a bracket. Oh, my <laughs> Okay, goodness. and I helped you with your adorable little segue, Chris, so you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> just as he had it written up. Yeah. And so as we do at the very end of every podcast, we are going to clap it out for the winner of this Disney Mania bracket, which is Hawaiian Roller Coaster Ride by Jump 5. Why don't I try to reach out to Jump 5 and see if they can come on the podcast? You oh know. my God. Yes, please. <laughs> because both of those fools combined, the Horgestiers, Brittany and Brandon, have a combined like 15,000 followers on YouTube. So they need some exposure because they're not doing I anything. Just got the, I just got the blue check mark on Instagram and should use it to uh, my advantage. You Yes, exactly. So on top of all the other things you're doing, you're going to be the talent hire for- I have Mouse no Madden problem Spotless. doing that. <laughs> at the very least, at the very least- get them on cameo so we can pay them to say listen to mouse madness <laughs> that's a good <laughs> idea go. too it's a good idea there you go all right chris well that's the end of yet another bracket uh i think this one was one of the more chaotic ones we've done yet uh it's fitting for something that has the name mania in it absolutely uh it was wild but it's what i love Jessica, thank you so, so, so much for joining us on this wild ride. Sorry to put so much pressure on you so many times. I don't know. You might have done the most legwork out of anyone that's been on this podcast. You broke a lot of ties. I broke a lot of ties. And honestly, I think I impressed y'all too, if we're being honest, because I'm used to like bragging about my baseball knowledge, but this was phenomenal. And I am so thankful that you guys thought of me because this is like the good stuff and you guys opened my mind now when i go to bed listening to jump five it's just gonna be a whole different ball game no <laughs> pun intended so all right everybody thank you so much for listening to this episode you know how to reach us if you've got something to say about all this stuff or you want to hop in and do some co-hosting of your own we'd love to have you on the show send us an email at mousemadnesspodcast at gmail.com or follow us on any of the social medias which are all linked in the description of this podcast below hope you all have a happy new year and hang loose hang ten house at shaka shaka no worry no fear ain't no piggy brother. <laughs>